When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is it necessary that every single person expresses every single opinion on every single thing that occurs all at the same time? Hi, I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to I See Why Am I. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. Where are we starting today? We are starting um, someplace that we rarely start, which is outside, specifically in the grass, specifically grass that we should be touching. My allergies, they've already flared. (laughs) Yeah, just spray some Flonase and let's get going. We had a question from listener Nat on Sunday night asking why Touch Some Grass is trending. Specifically, Nat said, I don't have time to play Internet Detective today. At ICYMI underscore pod, why is Touch Some Grass trending? A, I love that you came to us for this. B, who has time to play Internet Detective? We do. I love a little bit of Twitter reverse engineering. So as soon as we got this question in, I was just like, all right, time to put all the tools I have in my toolkit to use, a.k.a a time-sensitive search on Twitter to figure out why Touch Some Grass is trending. Before we start, we should probably define what this means. It's fairly intuitive. Like, (laughs) you understand what it means. (laughs) Of course. Touch Some Grass is a internet comeback for a person who perhaps has been online too long, who has rotted their brain of the internet, and they really need to get outside, get some air. They need to touch some grass. Exactly. Exactly. It is a kind of wild phrase to just be trending. And so when I was doing my little Twitter reverse engineering, um, I'm, I'm sorry in advance, Nat, but I, there, there does not seem to be any specific reason that it was trending. It is fully just that a bunch of people in very disparate circles on the internet really needed to go the fuck outside. For example, one of the most popular tweets from this weekend, if you Twitter search, touch some grass, is this um, a little self-insert fan fiction from TikTok featuring two members of the K-pop group BTS. And the tweet reads, I need to go and touch some grass, fulking sheesh, which also how I feel when I spend too long reading fanfic. Rachel, hypothetically, not for me, but for people who are listening to the show and don't know what self-insert fan fiction is. <laughs> um... <laughs> I never thought this day would come. Self-insert fan fiction is written in the second person. So one of the ways you can tell immediately that it's self-insert is that there's an abbreviation that is Y slash N, which stands for your name. That's not yes slash no. No. Like self-insert fan fiction is so like deeply online. I can understand why someone like watched it and was like, I love this, but I also need to go outside and touch some fucking grass. So there's this tweet. And then there's this other dude who tweeted that epic moment when you've had a girlfriend for four years with a photo of his very hot girlfriend. Very innocuous tweet. For some reason, like, some trad incels got involved and were just like, why aren't you married to her yet? Like, 
Someone quite literally quote tweeted either take a shit or get off the toilet, like referring to this four year long relationship, because apparently four years is simply too long to just be a just to be a GF. You have to be either a fiance or a wife at that point. The response to this tweet was, please go outside and touch some fucking grass. There's a bunch of other shit, including something about like anime boobs that I I couldn't quite decipher. Um, so sorry. You couldn't let me advance. have that one, of course. You had to give me trad incels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't actually think you would like the anime boobs tweet <laughs> either. Enough. It was defending like a, a cartoon. I'm good. Actually, was, yeah, stop there. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just, you know, but basically what we're observing here is a kind of singularity where a lot of people are just using the same phrase enough that it trends for no specific reason, which is honestly one of the least satisfying turns of events on the Internet. But also maybe one of the last things that aren't (laughs) sponsored content. And so if you're thinking this all sounds somewhat innocuous, here's the turn. The thing about touch some grass, the phrase, is that there's actually a lot of discourse about it. Specifically, there is kind of a school of thought that the phrase is ableist. I'm going to need to go outside and then come back. The thing is, there is this way in which touch some grass has been used to minimize criticisms as just a result of people spending too much time online. So you'll see, for example, somebody doing a thread on transphobia or racism and some annoying person will respond, go outside and touch some grass as if racism doesn't exist where grass also exists. And then in one of the most popular threads about how touch some grass is ableist, uh, Twitter user Radiant Butch writes that the phrase touch grass is super harmful to people who are isolated, disabled, or fuck, maybe stuck inside during a pandemic. It's okay to care about things online. It is okay to care about things online. I'm going to punt fully on this discourse. I am also going to punt fully, which is why I'm going to apologize to Nat one more time for saying, I don't think I answered your question at all. I cannot tell you why it was trending on Sunday. Um, But yeah, thanks for tweeting at us. (laughs) Okay. I don't think that's entirely true. As somebody who also uh, missed this discourse, I I learned some things. I see why am I. Learned some things. (laughs) Today on the show, though, we're talking about exit strategies for internet celebrities. How's that for a pivot? Uh, That sounds kind of dramatic, but the thing about becoming mega famous online when you're young means you either have to keep it up forever, which comes with its own set of potential hazards, so-called cancellations, generally dramatic turns, or your other option is to log off. There are really only three paths per a piece from Sachi Cole at BuzzFeed. You can pull a Shane Dawson and just keep posting through it. Or perhaps a Jenna Marbles, which means vanishing entirely. Or there's the middle road, as illustrated by um, one Bo Burnham in his latest special for Netflix, which is called Inside. Obviously, all three have their pros and cons, but they mostly illustrate how the Shanes and the Jennas and the Bows of the world are living vastly different lives online than the rest of us even if they're acting like they're just like us. We'll hear more from Sachi about all of this and also about how she's an evil screenshot-keeping genius after the break. Tired? 
Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, today on the show, we have Sachi Cole, a senior writer at BuzzFeed News with us to talk about how the internet is melting our brains, a real variation on a theme for us. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're so glad you could join us for this topic that we have never explored on the show ever once. <laughs> right. New new places, new journey. We're going together to an mm-hmm. unknown hell. Yeah. Yep. I'm in. <laughs> yep. Exactly. We're so excited to have you on the show today to talk about this piece that you wrote, Why Bo Burnham, Jenna Marbles, and Shane Dawson All Logged Off. So I'm curious... What inspired this piece? Was it watching Inside, Bo Burnham's new Netflix comedy special that uh, has captivated the internet, the collective internet? Yeah, I mean, I feel like for me, a few things happened. I watched Bo's special uh, during a week when I was deactivated from Twitter. I wrote a story a couple of weeks ago about another YouTube influencer and it kind of it blew up my social accounts and I just sort of took a step away because I just didn't want to do it this time. And I'm I'm pretty used to fighting on the internet. I've been doing it for a long time and it happened again. And I was like, oh, I don't like it. I'm just not like, I'm, I don't care to do this again. I don't really want to. So I took a, a big step back and I watched it in that state of kind of feeling a little divorced from these companies that I have grown up with. But, you know, I've been on Twitter for a number of years that I don't really think I want to reflect on, but probably 12 realistically. Mm. And I, you know, I remember watching Bo on YouTube when I was a teenager. He's, I think, a year older than me. And so I, you know, grew up with him in a a weird way. And seeing the level of despair (laughs) that he was having in that, in, in that special was so striking and so frustrating and yet so correct. Welcome to the internet. Have a look around. Anything that brain of yours can think of can be found. We've got mountains of content, some better, some worse. If none of it's of interest to you, you'd be the first. And it just Welcome seemed interesting to, to me that after growing up on the internet himself, he like was, he at some point was like, yeah, I, I, I don't think I want to do it this way. But is still, you know, engaging in content creation and is still, you know, sort of using the mechanisms of the internet to promote the work and, you know, I think it's an interesting kind of fugue state he's stuck in, as opposed to just leaving whole hog, which some people do, but it's a much more extreme choice. Be horny, be bursting with rage. We got a million different ways to engage. Welcome to the internet. Put your cares aside. Here's a tip for straining pasta. Here's a nine-year-old who died. We got movies. So something I loved in this piece is you lay out these three paths for an internet star who's sort of over it in some way or another. Uh, Could you describe those for us? 
So Bo is the one that kind of took like this middle path where he sort of left a lot of the social accounts that he had behind. He's not seemingly on TikTok. He doesn't post on YouTube anymore. He doesn't tweet. He doesn't Instagram unless he's promoting something. Or, you know, last summer, I remember Bo was posting a lot about Black Lives Matter and where to donate and and, and things like that. So he's, a, he's kind of like, he's just not sort of... Uh, invested in the internet sort of for his personal life. Like, here's what I'm doing, or here's a photo Mm. of my lunch or whatever. He's not doing that anymore. The other two people I talked about in the piece, one of them is Shane Dawson, who was kind of run off YouTube after so many scandals. I literally could not, we would have to- How how are you gonna uh, summarize this? (laughs) Yeah, he's just like shown his ass like six or seven times in really big ways. Like he's been, he would say the N-word in his videos. He made a lot of racist skits. He did blackface. He like mocks black women. He mocks women. He Like he made jokes about Willow Smith. He was making sort of sexual comments about her when she was still a minor. Like he just cannot shut up in a way that is so destructive for, for him and everybody who watches it. So this, this video is coming from a place of just wanting to own up to my shit, wanting to own up to everything I've done on the internet that has hurt people, that has added to a problem, that has not been handled well. Like, I should have been punished for things. And then the other person is Jenna Marbles, who also had some relatively similar scandals come up uh, last summer. She, too, was, you know, doing these um, these skits that made fun of often black people, black women, and she did blackface as well. And uh, when this all came up, she said sorry, and she was like, I'm going to go. I'm just going to stop and leave, and I don't think I need to be here. And she did, and that's it. All right, so I get it. I um, feel like we're at a time... <laughs> where we are purging ourselves of anything and everything toxic. And, and she's gone. There's like, she doesn't post anywhere. She's like off living her life. She completely logged off, which I also think is really interesting. That's like the most extreme version of it. I can't think of the last time something like that really happened where you just leave your career online and go be a person. So from the tone of your piece, I kind of got that you... You describe Jenna Marbles as seeming sincere on her exit. Do you believe otherwise? Because I've always sort of appreciated Jenna's, like, arc as a YouTuber. She's sort of, to my mind, like, what do we want from people who become internet famous at a young, moronic age other than, mm-hmm. like, the Jenna path? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I hope she's sincere. I don't, I can't speak to what is in people's hearts. I don't know. Why the hell not? Why, why the fuck not? <laughs> Well, you, you know can't what? Tell if I would, racism I is to. in someone's heart. Well, I, I I do. That's why I don't know. I don't know if if she's not. <laughs> I don't mm. know. I do think she's really embarrassed, and I do think there is a lot of power in in an apology that comes with removing yourself from a situation because you did so much harm. I feel I, I'm of two minds of it because it's like, yeah, I know. Like when we're teenagers, we say stupid things, and she started on YouTube pretty young. But I also like, I don't think I ever did blackface in high school. So I it's was like, I'm going to ask you, what is up with all of these people in blackface? It's so, and, it's so egregious and so yeah. routine. Like they're doing, they're all doing the same, the same thing. thing. I don't, I don't understand. Like you think about when it's happening and you think of the year when it's happening and it's, it really like, it, I, I'm having a hard time computing that. So it's like, yeah, I can think someone's sincere and also not understand the act to begin with. 
you know, Shane's behavior has is a tr- has been atrocious, like atro- atrocious and consistent. Um, and the apologies were worse. I feel like if you don't believe us, just Google Shane Dawson cat fucking. That's actually the least bad of all the, th- like that offends me the least because I don't think he's actually trying to fuck his cat, but I do think he's, his behavior really does suggest he's a bit of a racist. Like, I mean, the, the that, like, I don't know. Like he's, he, he's done so many apologies too. That's the other crazy part. Like the last one he gave last summer is like the third, like he keeps having to apologize. And then you can kind of sense he has this resentment. Why do I keep having to say sorry? And it's like, because nobody bought the last one. Like it, you're not doing it well. I mean, this kind of gets to, Bo Burnham's ultimate point, which is no one really wants to shut the fuck up. No. And I'm kind of curious, do you ever find yourself kind of running up against that wall as somebody whose working career is online in that you you want to get off, but you also don't? Yeah, I mean, the truth of it is, is that like we all have giant egos and none of us want to not talk because we think we're the most interesting person in the world. We are. Yeah, well, we are. This, these <laughs> this, assembled bodies are, in yeah. fact. I was going to say, here it's true. Elsewhere it is not. <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, I mean, there's a reason why the internet is uh, a place no one can escape is because it feeds all the, the things that people want. They want to mm. have attention and they want a space of their own. And, you know, who's to say one person's opinion is more valuable than another person's opinion? I mean, this is like the whole... <laughs> This is why we have Twitter. Like, um, yeah, I mean, but no, no one, no one can. And how do you decide who has to shut up? And also, you know, you also have to recognize the hypocrisy of, of Bo Burnham saying this on a Netflix special. He can say, I'm disengaging. I think people on the Internet should shut up because he doesn't have to go. on. I don't get to when I want to say something. Nobody at Netflix is like, here's 90 minutes. What is the moment in your mind where it was like the most wrong where where somebody just should have like sat it out not tweeted broken brain could have been quiet that day I mean I think it happens every day so it's it's kind of (laughs) it's hard to pinpoint (laughs) like one moment I will say I remember there's this one guy who like I don't I don't know what his deal is he's Canadian and he went on Facebook this is years ago. I don't even have Facebook anymore. But he went on Facebook and he left <laughs> a comment. He left a comment on somebody else's post about my work. It was like a chain of people who were all insulting me. And he, he I remember he said her, about me, her shtick cannot last that long. And then like, year, I saved the screenshot because I'm crazy. And so years later, like he'll try to talk to me periodically. And I just sent him the screenshot of him saying that about me. Oh, like, I think I must have sent it a couple of times. And every time he apologizes and he was like, I was wrong. I'm like, yeah, but you should say it again. Like, people need to talk less. People need to, like, talk, talk less because I'll find it. I'm sorry. That's iconic. That is. That's not at all what I was anticipating. And, um... I'm inspired. Well, I mean, but I, but I think part of the problem with the internet, honestly, is people talk online in a way that they wouldn't talk in person. I talk oh, yeah. online the way I would talk in person. But I, I'm trying to think of like a more lighthearted version. There was a tweet that was something about the classism of saying people should shower. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was I like, remember that. Yeah. Like it was so ham-fisted. That sort of, and that stuff is harmless. Like I just laughed and was like, whatever. <laughs> like I yep. don't really, 
Like, okay. <laughs> like, that one was really funny. And then I feel like there was another one. I can't remember. Maybe you guys do. It was a woman who was tweeting about people calling, like, their male partner's daddy and how it was, like, appropriative of kink or something that when people were, like, tweeting to the Pope, like, spit in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pro- I, I feel like maybe I'm say- describing this wrong because I can't remember. No, no, no. But- it was at, at Shanley. That's the account. <laughs> I have found the tweet and it is, quote, don't have a deep psychosexual Freudian and edible trauma slash dysfunction. Good for you. Stop appropriating daddy. Psychosexual. Yeah. If you don't have a psychosexual horror story about your father, you can't say daddy. <laughs> I don't know. But that, but that sort of stuff is like, that's... Like, I feel delighted when I see those takes because it's like, what's happening to you? Like, you really, like, what are you talking about? All of these anecdotes sound insane and goofy, but this is the internet where we exist. It is not the internet where Shane Dawson, Jenna Marbles, or Bob Burnham has to exist. No. I mean, YouTube internet is one of the worst places in the world, and you literally could not pay me enough to go there, which is why all those people who make YouTube videos are mil- they make millions of dollars because it's one of the most uh, uh, insane making online platforms out there. I think it's really bad. Like I thought Twitter was bad. I don't know if it's as bad as YouTube is really. When you say it's worse, how? how? I think the discourse is much more toxic. It's, it's way bigger. So when you run afoul of somebody on YouTube, it's like, your life is complete is consumed. I think the the efforts at doxing are a lot worse on YouTube, especially with creators who make stuff there because they think they know you in a really in, in a much more intimate way than I think reading your words or, um, you know, you know, following you on Twitter or whatever. There's a, a there's a renewed sense of intimacy there, and I also find like there's because it's a bit of a younger generation that's on YouTube as well. It's a lot of Gen Z kids, not just YouTube, like TikTok as well. And even Instagram influencers, there's a lot of conversation around like abuse now, but the, the language of abuse is being co-opted in a weird way. Sometimes by the people who are being accused of abuse. It's like, it's, it's become incredibly hard to parse if you just step into like YouTube discourse, you will have no idea how to orient yourself because everyone is a monster. And and YouTube is a platform that very specifically allows some of the worst people in the world to rise to the top. And we've seen this happen time and time and again, right? Like some of the most prominent creators are also the people who have to apologize the most frequently. I mean, Shane Dawson is incredibly prolific on YouTube. He makes a ton of content. He has a huge audience. He's lots of subscribers. And he has to say sorry every five minutes, you know? And it's like those sorry videos also kind of play into this cycle, though, where people, they get so many views, and it's like extremism and fucking up repeatedly is rewarded by, like, just Mm -hmm. the way the YouTube universe works. And so it's almost like you are rewarded for being involved in controversy. You are. I mean, like, in the last few years, it's shifted a little bit where now when they do apology videos, sometimes they'll say, like, I've demonetized this. I'm not making money from it. But sometimes when you watch some of the older ones, you get ad breaks. Mm -hmm. So you're watching them say sorry. And then all of a sudden there's an ad for, like, Buffalo Wild Wings. And you're like, (laughs) what is happening here? Like... Just the nature of having to say, oh, don't worry, I'm not trying to make money off this one, tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. 
It's it's very strange. It's really weird if you sit and think about it for too long. I mean, Bo Burnham has that, he has a song in a special, that funny feeling when he just talks about things that make him feel odd. And I listened to that song and felt so uncomfortable because it was all this stuff that I haven't really thought about and then you have to think about it and you're like, oh, now I feel terrible. Like... Carpool Karaoke, Steve Aoki, Logan Paul. A gift shop at the gun range, a mass shooting at the mall. This is co- this was a comedy special. <laughs> Netflix released this under comedy. And we watched it with our eyes by choice. I mean, you're making a good point, and you made this in the piece as well, where... The, a lot of this shit is um, not light at all, but the way it's being cannibalized by TikTok and turned into like trends where it's all a joke seems antithetical to the very theme of the actual special, but also so predictable. Yeah, I think I'm sure Bo Burnham had some idea that was going to happen. You know, I mean, he makes earworms with these really clever lyrics with them. I mean, it's catnip, you know, I wasn't surprised. And some of the videos I find that are attached to, you know, Bo's songs are sincere and they were like grappling with the same things or grappling with like being online, especially with younger kids, like who are like five to 10 years younger than me. I got online when I was 12. Those kids, like he sings about this, like mommy gave you an iPad when you were two. Like that's a different experience than even what I had. Mommy let you use her iPad You were barely two And it did all the things we designed it to do Now look at you They are struggling with it in a completely different way But then yeah, there's a lot of it like You know, they're just making videos about dumb shit And that's fine too, you know This is, I mean, it's it's too late. Like, we're not going to log off. It's too late. That's over. That that kind of conversation, are we going to abandon the internet? That's done. And are we going to abandon social media? No, we're not. Like, we have figured that out. So the really, the only path through is, like, regulation and how we use it and what do we use it for and how do we talk to each other and how do we teach younger people to use it? You know, tying your, I think you can sort of see this with millennials, Tying your self-esteem and your self-worth to social media is maybe a really bad idea. So okay, perhaps okay, stop shouting what? at me. <laughs> no. <laughs> so perhaps we can use it in different ways and we can be mindful about how we use it and, and, and what we get out of it. My policy has always been like, if it's not fun, don't do it. That's harder in practice than just saying it. And for myself too. But this is the place where people have conversations. This has been the place where everyone has had a conversation for the last year and a half because we couldn't go outside. But I mean, it's not even just like conversations. It's like for us, for journalists, being online is a way to make money. And for so many, mm-hmm. I mean, for so many people who are on, who are online, it's not just this is how I communicate with people. It's like this is a pathway to wealth and Health to insurance. money. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, the kind of simplistic of should we all just log off? That's over. It is over. There's no way to get around the fact that, like, the internet has democratized ways into money that otherwise didn't exist. But it's also like, at what cost? <laughs> and how do we make those costs lower? Yeah. 
Yeah. We were recently asked in an interview if ICYMI could stand for something else, what would it stand for? And I decided on Internet Creates Your Mental Illness, <laughs> which I think sums it up nicely. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, Sachi Cole is a senior culture writer for BuzzFeed News, and uh, I, for one, am going to try to never cross her online. That is our show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so definitely subscribe. It's free and the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. If you've been listening to the show a long time, you know exactly what I'm going to say next. Follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, uh, and feel free to keep DMing us questions. We'll try to answer them to the best of our Rachel's abilities. And of course, there's always the old standby email, ICYMI at Slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. Boris Wickman is Slate's culture editor. And Gabe Broth is editorial director of audio. See you online. Or touch grass. I don't know. If you were on Tumblr, you might have saw some shit there, too. That's Rachel, my not today. <laughs> Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.